0: Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle.
1: What is good, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Nick Carlisle here, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Enchanted Podcast, where I tend to nerd out on all things faith, health, interesting, and optimizing. If you're not already following me on Instagram, at nick.carlisle that is, go ahead and find me on there, hit that follow button, send me a DM perhaps. I am very active on the gram and would love to connect with you personally. This episode, as always, is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. I have a free 30-page eating guide on there. I have some links to some of my favorite products. I have some hoodies and some shirts I designed. The truth pack is on there as well. So go check all of that out. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get into it. I'm excited for you guys to get to know today's guest, Miss Madison Holden. Madison is one of my favorite humans in the world, my friends. She is an RN. She has a master's degree in nursing. She's a certified baby nutrition consultant and certified postpartum nutrition consultant. And in this episode, we nerd out on all things baby and mommy health. Madison just launched her website, madisonholden.com, where you can learn more about her and possibly book her for a one-on-one consultation. I love talking with Madison. She's awesome. So without further ado, here is my conversation with her. I'd first love for the listeners to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today doing what you do.
0: Sure. So my background is in nursing. So I graduated with my bachelor's of nursing. And immediately um, worked at a pediatric hospital. So I've always been in pediatrics. Um, I started my nursing career in the neonatal intensive care unit, also known as the NICU, um, where I did that for about three years and loved it, but did not like working night shifts. Mm. They uh, were not great on me. So I switched uh, departments and now I have always done same day surgery, which I love. It's fast paced. And you get to learn a lot about a variety of different things and working with different physicians and surgeons Mm. um, and meeting a lot of families. So I've really enjoyed that.
1: You said same-day surgery?
0: Yeah, so same-day surgery. So if your child, let's say, broke their arm, you'd come in, we pre-op them, get them ready for surgery, they go back to surgery, and then we recover them when they come out of the operating room.
2: Got
1: you, got you. And And that's all younger ages I'm assuming like what age does that go up to
0: yep so we do all pediatric ages um, till about 18 and then we can do older than that if needed if need be as well so starting from newborn all the way um, until about a reasonable age
1: Mm, right yeah so what got you into the things that you're really focusing on now like baby nutrition mom nutrition pregnancy (laughs) all these things what led you to diving into that stuff and learning so much about it
0: so when I had uh, my daughter Harper, she's almost two now, um, I just remember feeling very overwhelmed. And that was kind of a disarming feeling, especially being a pediatric nurse. And, you know, I have so much experience with kids all the way from newborn babies and so on. And I just felt so overwhelmed with starting her on solid and feeling kind of uncomfortable with the recommendations that were given to me. Um, when it comes to starting solids and then kind of dealing with my own postpartum anxiety of just a lot of fear that I had. um, You know, and I'm sure a lot of that stemmed from working in the hospital and seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, the worst of the worst. And I just was like, there has to be a way to have um, more knowledge, more uh, outreach that we can have. And then really when it comes down to is nutrition, I've always loved nutrition you know, it's been a big focus on my family growing up and eating nutrient dense food. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: I wanted to implement that for Harper at a young age. And I kind of went down this rabbit hole and fell in love with nutrition. And that's how I became certified in a postpartum and baby nutritionist through this O Baby Academy. And I've just loved the knowledge that I've that I learned from
2: it. Yeah,
1: that's super cool. And I want to dive into all of those things. I'm, I'm really stoked yes. to nerd out on those things with you. So let's first talk about pregnancy and the pregnant okay. mom. And just, just speak to moms who are either currently pregnant or are going mm-hmm. to get pregnant soon. Like what things should they be focusing on? How should they be eating, exercising, all that? Just go ahead and, and speak to them.
0: Yeah, so I think pregnancy is a really amazing incredible time and your bodies go through so much and you know for myself at least when I was pregnant with Harper Nick I was so sick that first trimester mm-hmm. there were days where honestly my husband would come home and he would just be so nervous because I was pale as a ghost <laughs> I had it I didn't want to drink water I felt so sick and yet I know that feeling of being like I am not providing good nutrients to my baby right now if all I can keep down is a Ritz cracker Mm. so my first thing I want to say to pregnant moms that might be going through this is it's okay to to just do what you have to do to get by Mm -hmm. you know I think there's a lot of pressure of feeling like I'm not eating a salad for lunch because I can't even think of eating a salad and so what I like to do is find a really good prenatal vitamin to help supplement the diet especially in the beginning if you're not feeling good. So looking for a prenatal vitamin that's sourced without fillers and additives. I don't know why we like to add that to everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so find a good prenatal vitamin and start that while you're thinking of getting pregnant. So just getting that body, your body a good jump start on good nutrients, you know, looking for folate, you know, instead of folic acid, Mm. um, to kind of help with neural tube defects. And so really just starting your body off well by finding a good prenatal vitamin. Mm. Yeah. And then really just trying to keep your blood sugar stable. I mean, you know, this, it's so important to keep your blood sugar stable and not going too long without eating, trying to keep a protein and healthy fat in each meal. Mm. And then really Nick, what I love to focus on are a few things, which is iron So women actually need a lot more iron than men do. And that's because we have to support the blood loss that women have during menstruation. Um, And so a lot of women are actually starting their pregnancy with low iron stores. Um, And then during your second and third trimester in pregnancy, your blood volume increases and your baby actually demands more iron. So really focusing on eating foods that are rich in iron, like beef and lamb and chicken and eggs, Mm. lentils and pumpkin seeds. So anything you can do to add some iron to your diet will be so beneficial.
1: Do you recommend supplementing with iron as well? So
0: a lot of, yeah, a lot of women will supplement with iron. It can be tricky because iron can be very constipating Mm. and pregnant women are prone to constipation. Mm -hmm. Um, But... That's why a lot of prenatals do have iron in them, um, which is great. And then also just working with your, your OB, a lot of, um, women will get their iron levels drawn to see what their levels are at and then finding a good supplement that would work along with a nutrient dense diet. Mm.
1: Right on. Let's go back to blood sugar for a minute because I yes. actually right now have been, I'm, I'm wearing a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM oh, right now yes. that a company sent me that is super fascinating to look at how different foods affect my blood sugar. And you would think something would make it spike. It doesn't, but other things that mm-hmm. you wouldn't think make it spikes actually do make it spikes so it's been super interesting um shout out this company called Nutrisense it's like this thing that you just it's like a sticker that you slap on your arm and uh it pokes you you know in for the first uh for the first application of it and and draws your blood a little bit but it's it's a really really awesome and well made wearable but anyway talk to me I've about blood those. Sugar. And yeah
0: yeah i've heard of those and i actually know a lot of women that will honestly check their blood sugar during pregnancy every day and they're mm. monitoring um the, the hormone levels that help that help monitor the blood sugar. So that is really fascinating. You'll have to let me know how you like it.
1: Yeah, is that one of the reasons that you want to monitor the blood sugar is because the hormone levels because i know that you know if you spike the blood sugar then it causes a hormone release insulin Mm -hmm. and then if that is out of control i think it it prevents other hormones like growth hormone and ghrelin Mm -hmm. the hunger hormone all these other hormones kind of get thrown out of balance if the blood sugar is kind of erratic so is is that really what needs to be addressed is the hormone levels through the blood sugar
0: yeah, so your hormones are produced by the placenta, and what happens is and then it can cause insulin resistance, so meaning that insulin isn't as effective at getting sugar into your cells. Mm-hmm. So what happens is then this makes your blood sugar levels rise after each meal. and yes, that provides you know your de- developing baby with a steady supply of fuel and nutrients. Sometimes this can cause change in the expecting mom and it can have them actually become diabetic. And this is known as gestational diabetes, Um, which is why uh, women get their blood sugar tested around 28 weeks, their glucose test, um, because they're seeing a rise in diabetes during pregnancy, Hmm. Um, which can be very dangerous to the baby. The baby can be larger, um, and it's you know can be a risk factor for for mom and for baby so really monitoring your blood sugar is so important for not only the health of the mom but the health of the baby
1: yeah interesting cool and yeah. sh- shameless plug here if anyone wants a discount on the nutrisense Uh, You can use code Enchanted for $25 off. Um, There you go. Everybody try it out. (laughs) Yeah. I can't speak highly enough of it. It's awesome. I scan my phone like you literally put it on your tricep and you hold your phone up to it. It scans it, gives you all your data. It's fascinating. And I love to nerd out on it. So check it out. Yeah. So pregnancy we're talking about do what you need to do to to yeah. get by uh take a prenatal before getting mm-hmm. pregnant and while you're pregnant make sure you're getting your iron in through it sounds like mostly proteins and i would encourage yep. people to find in organic free-range grass-fed ga- if they are able yep. to do that um, yes. and then monitoring blood sugar anything else for pregnant moms
0: um i think just of course just making sure you're getting your omega-3s those are really critical for fetal brain development. Mm. And actually, Nick, you know, what's interesting is that they're having emerging evidence show that increased omega-3s in your DHA actually can reduce postpartum depression.
1: Interesting. I love that you brought yes. that up. There's, yes. Yeah. Yes. So Rhonda Patrick, who I talk about a lot, she a couple weeks ago put out a um, an Instagram video talking about a new study about... Uh, Omega threes and fish oil in particular, mm-hmm. and how that was associated with cognitive performance. These th- the subjects in the in the study were taking a, a high dose, I think three thousand milligrams, but how that was associated with. Uh, lower levels of mental unhealth. So people just doing better with their anxiety and their depression and cognitive performance. So after I saw that, I started, I tripled my dose because I take an omega-3. i just take a krill oil. Make sure you guys, if you guys are looking into this, get a high quality uh, fish oil or krill oil. Don't get something that is cheap. You don't want to get something that can easily turn rancid and stuff. So, um, But I've been taking 1500 milligrams every day and Madison, I've seen a huge, huge increase in just, like, my mood, my desire to be social, my mm-hmm. anxiety. It's been kind of fascinating. And, like, my uh, retention of when I read and when I listen to podcasts, like, it's been noticeable. So that's super fascinating.
0: Yeah. So this pregnancy, I've actually been taking a cod liver oil, which is an, another great source of – um you know, a fish oil.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know
0: if you've ever heard of, I love Rosita, the brand that I use. Um, it's all organic and just a great thing. So I'm excited to see if I feel a little bit different, especially postpartum, because I did suffer from, you know, from a lot of that postpartum anxiety as a new mom. Mm.
2: Um,
0: so I've been really trying to keep on top of my, um, cod liver oil again, like a fish oil. So I'm excited to see how that, that helps.
1: Yeah. Do you know how much you're taking?
0: Um, right now I just take what's, what it is. I'm trying to think about what my, I just take two, two cod liver oil pills a day. Uh I'm not exactly sure how much it is.
1: Yeah. It's probably 500 milligrams or so. That's kind of like a standard dose. Yes. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, so let's get into, let's actually talk about like delivery. I remember you telling me some super interesting fact about keeping the umbilical cord connected for like 30 (laughs) extra seconds or something. Talk to me about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So this is, you know, I, I nerd out on stuff like this. So, um, okay. So we talked about iron for pregnancy and for moms, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about iron for babies. So it's, Iron is such an important nutrient for, really, men, women, and, of course, babies. But between the ages of 6 to 12 months, a baby actually requires more iron than a grown male adult, if you can believe that.
1: That's insane. I'm not even
0: kidding. A baby needs about 11 milligrams of iron a day, and a male adult needs 8. And women (laughs) usually need about 18, but that's because, you know, we menstruate and we lose a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. But... So you talked about delayed cord clamping and I forgot I even told you this story, Um, but the common practice is to clamp the umbilical cord immediately after birth. However, if you delay your cord clamping, even as much as, like you said, 30 seconds. Okay, now imagine three minutes. That allows for almost 50% more blood volume to pulse from the placenta to the baby. So at six months of age, for a newborn, you're looking at almost a full extra month worth of iron stores for that baby.
1: Insane,
0: isn't that crazy? So for for um for me when I, I delivered in a hospital, and I had my I didn't really have like a full birth plan, but I did make mention to my doctor like I would really love a delayed cord cam, cord clamp, and they were awesome. They were so great about it. Um, I delayed it for five minutes wow and you know obviously you have to think about is the baby safe is everything okay because you know there are things where they need to take the baby and and make sure everything's all right so if it's a safe delivery and you are able to do it you can ask for delayed cord clamping and like you said even 30 seconds longer just any any extra amount of time is incredible. I actually had a friend, she delivered at a birthing center, but they waited I think almost an hour, Nick, what? until literally that until that cord stopped pulsing blood <laughs> through it.
2: That is so awesome. Which
0: is like so long, but like yeah. I'm just saying, is you can make something work no matter no matter what. But it's yeah. so much more iron.
1: Yeah, and now that baby's in the NFL at two years <laughs> yeah, old. <exactly. laughs> that is so exactly. awesome. That's fascinating. Um yes. So let's talk more post delivery. Um, We know that the the first thing you want to do is go skin to skin and all that stuff and get the baby breastfeeding. Let's focus on breastfeeding a bit. How long do we do we how long should (laughs) (laughs) should you be breastfeeding? How do you successfully start them breastfeeding? Just talk to us about breastfeeding a bit.
0: Okay, so I love what breast milk is. And for the sake of this podcast, you know, I'm going to talk about breast milk. But first, of course, want to say is that honestly, a fed baby is the best baby women that choose to use formula or breastfeed, you know, every single option is great for whatever circumstance you're in, you know, Mm -hmm. but I really do want to talk about breast milk because honestly, Nick, it's just truly incredible. So your breast milk is made up of certain nutrients like your proteins and your lactose, your fat. But what's amazing is that they're all in ideal ratios. Hmm. that are meant specific for your baby and what's crazy is that breast milk is actually alive it's constantly changing and adapting to the needs of the baby and and i'm not just saying like every day i'm talking nick about literally every feeding every time that baby goes to breast the breast milk is constantly changing to what that baby needs to meet its nutrition and immune requirements
1: that's so awesome
0: Yeah. And one of the biggest ones, and I know you'll love this, is that um, it contains a prebiotic, Mm. which is incredible. It's actually the third most prevalent component of breast milk after lactose and fat. And so these prebiotics that are found in the breast milk, they help feed the baby's gut, Mm -hmm. promoting and supporting their growth, which I just think is so fascinating. You know, we talk about pre and probiotics Mm -hmm. and how important they are. And yet here we are Literally delivering a prebiotic in the most purest form to our babies as they breastfeed.
1: That is so cool.
0: Yeah. And not only that, it's like, you know, I'm sure you've heard this saying, like, I could just kiss this baby and eat this baby up. When moms actually kiss their babies and they're they're actually picking up and ingesting different pathogens that the baby might have, and that's what's tailor-making the breast milk. And so the mom is actually creating antibodies, yeah, to fight off pathogens like let's say you took your newborn to the park and he's playing and maybe gets a little bug on him and the mom comes home and is kissing them all up that body is creating different antibodies to help fight that baby to be strong.
1: What I've never yeah, heard that before,
0: I know it is nuts. It's awesome. It's so fascinating.
1: that is so cool. And speaking of prebiotics, something that I heard that's just kind of a point I think to drill down on that's not said enough. i think I think there's a lot of talk about like probiotics and drinking kombucha right. and kimchi and fermented foods and all these different mm-hmm. things, which is super important. Yes, but, prebiotics are, they they need to be addressed more and they need to be highlighted more because yes, we can can consume things that bring these probiotics into our gut, but just bringing the probiotics into the gut isn't enough. They need to then replicate and they replicate via fuel that you need to feed them so that they can reproduce and replicate. So yes, get the probiotics in there, the good bugs, the good bacteria in there, but then Eat fiber so that these good bugs that you're putting down there can actually mm-hmm. build and replicate and reproduce and create a giant colony of good bugs that can then benefit your immune system and your cognition and everything else that the gut, I mean the entire body, um, that that the guts associated with. So,
0: yeah, that's and it, what's um, what's fascinating is that the breast milk contains these prebiotics. Like you said, a lot of times we don't think about prebiotic we're so focused on probiotics and so i think that's what's so fascinating is that our breast milk is containing prebiotic for our babies Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. have you looked into the research at all between a vaginal birth and a c-section related to the gut flora of the newborn
0: yeah so there is a lot of discussion about um if a baby comes through vaginally or C-section, and a lot of it just goes shows that moms that have had C-sections, they really need to get on a, uh, a probiotic to mm. kind of help, um, you know, with a lot of the antibiotics that a mom is given during birth and things like that, and that helps with the with their breast milk production as well. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of, you know, when you go through that when they go through the the vaginal canal, you do receive a lot of that good bacteria um, for the babies. And so if moms can't or aren't able to get that, I really just recommend a probiotic for moms that have had C-sections.
1: Yeah. So how long do you recommend people breastfeed for?
0: So I think this is a very personal decision and kind of a sensitive subject. You know, I think it's Mm -hmm. pretty rare for a woman to to have an exact number in there, you know, I'm going to breastfeed for X amount of time and, you know, circumstances change, but until a baby is 12 months old, breast milk and or formula will be their main source of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at least the first six months is vital, um, and very crucial. And again, everyone is going to kind of have a different timeline of when they, when they stop. But, um, so at least for six months, I really recommend, and then twelve months is when their main, you know, main source of nutrition is going to be some sort of breast milk or formula. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. How do you suggest people wean off the baby?
0: So I, you know, I think it's interesting. We talk a lot about postpartum, you know, or pregnancy hormones, and we kind of forget that when you're weaning. There's a huge hormonal shift, you know, that can bring on some post-weaning depression, very similar to what you notice, um, you know, anxiety, mood swings, irritability. So I really just think it's important to promote foods that help balance, you know, reduce your sugar and caffeine intake Mm. when they are ready to wean. I really love um, implementing sage or peppermint into a diet that kind of helps dries up your milk supply in a very natural way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and you take that through like a uh, like a pill form, the sage and all that, or.
0: So yeah, there, you can either do um, fresh sage, um, which kind of has a very, you know, specific taste to it. Yeah. Um, I used a sage um, liquid form. It was like a dropper, and I would just drop it into my water, and I would oh. just drink that.
1: All right, quick pause, my friends. I want to tell you quickly about my new favorite clothing brand, Viore. I personally love clothes and am very particular about what I choose to wear and athleisure tends to be my go-to style, meaning comfortable, premium, well-made, versatile clothes I can work out in or swim in, hike in, lounge in, dress up to go to church, and even wear to work. And Viore clothing, believe it or not, my friends, checks all of those boxes legitimately for guys and for girls. Their stuff is just super dope. It's well-made, athletic cut, it's versatile, and it is clutch. My two favorite products right now are their Core shorts, which I have numerous pairs of and pretty much wear daily during the spring and summer, and their Valu tee, which is just basically a blank and extremely comfortable and durable cotton blend tee that fits me perfectly. It's like the most perfect fitting shirt I've ever tried on, and I legitimately can't get enough of it. I I was thinking yesterday about ordering seven of them in the salt color so I could just wear them every day of the week and never wear anything else again in my life. But for listeners of Life Enchanted, Viore is kind enough to offer 20% off which is not a small amount, 20% off your entire order if you go to vioriclothing.com slash enchanted. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash enchanted. Again, I highly recommend their products. I don't put my name behind just anything. i vetted out their products personally and their stuff is way legit. So one more time for you, 20% off if you go to vioriclothing.com slash enchanted. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Now back to the podcast. What about moms struggling to be successful breastfeeding? Any tips or tricks or suggestions there?
0: Yeah, so I I actually, my breastfeeding experience with Harper was amazing, but the first few months were really hard. Um, I didn't know at the time that she actually had a lip tie, so it made my latch, her latch really difficult, meaning the little, um, her lip couldn't kind of flare out as mm. much. And it was really, stressful nick because i wanted this to work out and and i worked with a lactation specialist i attended breastfeeding classes um so i really think just utilizing our resources i mean they're out there I, I just had a friend who um just recently had a baby and she had a lactation specialist come to her house and they checked her latch and you know she was available for texting or if any questions because it's it, you think of it as coming so natural and it does. It's a natural thing, but there's so many other circumstances. Like I actually had too much milk. I had oversupply and people don't really talk about that. You're like, that's so great. You have so much milk. And I'm like, it's great, but I have so much milk. I'm getting like mastitis. I'm getting breast infections and plugged ducts. So there really is a lot that goes into it. So I think just finding your resources, you know, utilizing lactation specialists or attending different classes are awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the new mommy after she delivers. She's, you know, her body went through this massive transformation, Yes. What does she need to be focusing on? How should she be nourishing herself? All those things.
0: So, you know, really, of course, everything I feel like I go back to is just nourishing foods. It's such an important part of really everything we do in our life, but especially postpartum recovery, because with nutrient dense foods, you're not only going to promote healing after birth, but you're going to give yourself energy. I mean, think of those long sleepless nights, right? Mm -hmm. Um, support your production of breast milk, help balance hormones. So the first thing I like to do is think about, you know, when a woman has gone through labor and all of that shifting of your organs and your abdomen, that's a huge shift, right? And so Mm -hmm. your digestion is most likely to be compromised. Um, so what I tell my clients is I say, okay, we need to promote foods that you would kind of want after recovering from a flu. So really an emphasis on hydrating, easy to digest, nutrient dense foods like soups and bone mm. broths or really cooked vegetables and fruits. You don't want your digestive system to be working Over time, right? You just Mm. had a huge shift in it. So, and then really building meals around, you know, micronutrients—that's of your carbs, fats, and proteins—and then stocking your freezer with healthy meals and snacks. I just are so important, you know.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's super good advice, and that seems logical to to really focus on foods that are easy to digest but at the same time yes. nutrient dense like you said i.e bone broth and soups oh, yeah. and really cooked vegetables and stuff like that 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 makes a lot of sense um, And I
0: think also for the new mom, honestly I feel like we have a culture where we just want these moms to like bounce back you know yeah get back to that really nourishing the new mom has a lot to do with not only nutrition but really allowing her to Relish in this time of the new baby and, you know, take that time to bond with the new baby and, or, you know, if they have another child really just relish in that, because I feel like our world just goes at such a fast pace that it's like, we're on to the next thing and doing drop off and pick up for preschools. And I feel like sometimes we forget to just slow down.
1: Mm, Yeah, no doubt. That was one piece of advice that I got when my son was born a year and a half ago. Was because I took work off and mm-hmm. I like was was still trying to get the podcast going and trying to, you know, grow my side hustle and all these different things. And I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine and he was like, dude, this is the only time in your life that it's really okay to lay on your couch for five hours with little man on your yeah. chest and just be present there and just cuddle him. And that really resonated with me. And I found myself doing Mm -hmm. it. Like I just, I gave myself permission to like that. It's okay to be on the couch for five hours with this little precious bundle of love on my Um, chest, you know, and just chill. Um, And
0: you have all, I mean, you know, look how fast they grow up. It's like, just take that time and, and, and just really enjoy it. Such a special time.
1: Yeah, totally. And something else I've mentioned this on the podcast before. That's, Interesting that I heard is there studies starting to show that phone usage during infancy is being linked to some type of, like, dis... I don't, I don't know the exact language that was used, but it was, like, disconnection from the mother or stress mm. of the baby, but this, this idea that as the baby is laying on you, if you're constantly looking at your phone, which I was totally guilty of, but if, right. especially if baby is awake and they just kind of subconsciously know that you your attention and focus is somewhere else, it's creating this disconnect. So I just think it's something to be mindful of for, yeah, for new parents.
0: Oh, yeah, that's such a good point,
1: yeah, yeah. So let's move on from breastfeeding now to starting solids. When okay. and how when and how do you start babies on solid foods?
0: okay, so this this is like my bread and butter, Nick. This is why i i I wanted to do what I do because this to me is like we're setting our kids up for such a good future, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, When do we start breastfeeding? You know, it's interesting, Nick, because in 2002 and then again in 2012, the World Health Organization, they actually changed their recommendation. And now they recommend that babies are exclusively breastfed or formula fed until six months of age. And you have the American Society of Pediatrics and several other health organizations. They all support this recommendation. Yet we are still being told around four months to start solids. So it's so interesting, hmm. kind of, of like this, when do we start solids? So I always recommend waiting until six months, around the six-month age. But really, instead of focusing on a number, like four months, five months, six months, is you really want to look at developmental signs of readiness. So some of these are can the baby sit up well with little or no support? You know, obviously mm. they might topple over a little bit, but they should be able to support themselves in a seated position for a period of time. And I'm not saying like in a bumbo or a high chair with like lots of padding, Yeah. Um, but really be able to support themselves. You indicate good head and neck strength and really a good um, seated position. So mm. that to me is like kind of my number one.
2: Mm.
0: And then also, um, that they've lost their tongue thrust reflex. And what that means is that they don't automatically push foods out of their mouth. So this is actually a preventative measure for choking. Meaning if something goes in their mouth that they don't like, they, they automatically push it out. So you want them to kind of lose that tongue thrust reflex. So that way they can actually eat the food.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you so test once for that? They've,
0: you literally can put stuff in their mouth and they won't spit it out. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's literally just like that. It's just a reflex that babies have.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. Also that they can turn their head and indicate when they've had enough to eat. That's really important. so They can actively engage in mealtime and can express signs of fullness. Um, Mm. That's really important. And then, you know, they can help, they're starting to work on their pincer grafts, meaning they're picking things up with their fourth finger and their thumbs and not just kind of palming it, right, or even mm-hmm. their whole hand. And then I always say the last sign is that they're ready and willing to and eager to participate. And a lot of people think of this as kind of like, oh, four months, my baby is ready to eat because they're, you know, they see the mom and dad eating and they like look like they want it. But we have to remember is that around that age, kids are becoming a lot more aware of their environment and their surroundings and they want to be doing what you're doing. Mm. So I always kind of say like, this is, it's a very important sign, but kind of like most kids around that age are going to show signs of that. And it doesn't mean that their bodies are ready because introducing solids too early studies have actually shown that it increases the risk of diabetes. It increases, um, celiac disease, or iron deficiency, eczema, it's just because the digestive system is too immature and they can't break down the food efficiently. So we really want to make sure that we're starting solids when the baby is ready.
1: Hmm, hmm. Which foods do you recommend starting with?
0: So um, I love to start with, you know, maybe, okay, so first let me say, there's a different, there's a few different ways to start solids, right? Mm -hmm. So You could do purees, which is like your spoon feeding. Um, Or you can do baby-led weaning, which baby-led weaning is kind of a silly way of just saying, offering, you know, safe finger foods. Um, Or you can do a combination of both. So with Harper my daughter, I did a combination of both. I did purees and I let her have some finger foods. Um, And so I think it's really important before we start about what we're going to feed them, we really want to make sure that our baby is, being able to lead and self-regulate their appetite. So a lot of times when you think of spoon feeding, right, we're kind of just maybe shoveling food into their mouths, or we might hear the saying, oh, just one more bite. You know, you don't want to disconnect that baby from their hunger cues because I feel like as adults, sometimes, Nick, we are disconnected from our hunger Mm -hmm. cues, right? Like we might be full, but do we finish our plate because we want to? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, right? And so for babies, they're just starting this we don't want them to disconnect from their hunger cues. We want them to really have responsive feeding and allow them to like be done when they are done.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So with baby led weaning, this is when you offer them safe finger foods and allow them to self feed. So you give them a chance to explore and familiarize themselves with different textures and colors and flavors. And it really helps their canned eye coordination um, so the most important thing is you want to make sure that the food is safe, so soft enough to squish between your fingers. And this actually mimics the tongue and roof of the mouth. And then I like to make it a length and width of like one to two adult fingers so that they can pick it up. Hmm. Oh, but, like so long,
1: I, like French fry yes, almost.
0: Yes, like long, um, the long length so that, you know, remember, because babies aren't great about picking things up with their two fingers. They might kind of palm it. Mm-hmm. or um, grab it with their whole hand. And so you want to be able for them to pick it up and still have some food sticking out for them to actually put to their mouth and eat. Mm. Got you. So um, you asked me some of my favorite first foods. I love avocado. I love sweet potatoes, root-based vegetables, egg yolks. And the really, I love to add flavor mm. to foods. I think a lot of times when we think baby food, we think bland, right? Mm. Like we... We don't really know, but actually adding flavor to to baby foods is really the most important time to help develop and diversify their palate, and which sets them up for bedding, better eating habits. Mm-hmm. So for example, you're doing like, I love to do turmeric in my daughter's eggs or um, cauliflower and some dill or chicken and paprika, zucchini and oregano. So just adding different flavors and you don't need a lot. A little goes a long way, mm-hmm. but just adding some fun flavors for these kids and, you know, really sets them up for a diverse palate and, and a better eating experience.
2: Yeah.
1: That you, helped me a ton when my son was born (laughs) and after we chatted I started making his fried eggs with I'd fry him an egg in some grass-fed butter some ghee and then I would sprinkle I bought I went to the store and got a bunch of different organic herbs like Mm -hmm. thyme and rosemary and oregano and dill and sage and a lot of the things you said, because those are loaded with all sorts of really, really great phytochemicals um, as well. So, and I would just make his fried eggs with those and I'd switch it up every day. Like here's a little rosemary fried egg and he dug them and I was stoked knowing that he was getting this diverse array of flavors and, you know, little nutrients and all that.
0: You know, Dick. I remember being at your house and talking to you about this. And it was like, this. it was like watching, this is what I love when I do. It was like this light bulb above your head yes. and you like rushed to the fridge, you got on an egg, yep. you got your ghee butter. And it was just like, it made me so happy. And I still think of that today. And I just remember how excited you were. And that's what I want. Like I want parents to realize like baby food doesn't have to be bland and boring and flavorless. And really, Nick, like it doesn't have to be this huge extra step. So for example, think about what you're making for dinner tonight. You're, you know, maybe some organic chicken and you have some sweet potatoes and some broccoli. All of those foods can be given to a six month old baby Mm -hmm. as long as it's offered in a safe way. You know, so we don't have to think about, you know, think about how a lot of people start their babies on like rice cereals or oatmeal. And actually, this morning, I saw online that um, Beech Nut, which is a brand, a baby food brand, they actually recalled all of their stage one rice cereal because it had high levels of arsenic. Oh, gosh. And I don't know if you've seen recently in the, in the news the past few months, but Congress has actually conducted an analysis of baby food studies, and they found that a lot of these baby foods Even organic brands have high levels of arsenic and other metals that exceed these FDA limits. Wow. So it's really crazy that, you know, just because the word organic is on it doesn't always necessarily mean it's, you know, pouches and things like that are good. And so really, if you think about just trying to feed your baby most nutrient dense, that's coming from food that you are making.
1: Yeah. Real whole foods.
0: Real whole foods. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And even some of those packets that I've seen at the store, because those are so simple and easy and convenient. Yes. And a lot of them are organic and they have, they look like they have great, you know, uh, ingredients, but a lot of them are just sugar bombs and basically Jamba juice in a little package oh, yeah. for these little kids. So it's, you. we just have to be aware of that.
0: So yeah. And you actually talked about that being high sugar. So I want you to think about, and I, and I will be the first to say I use pouches with my daughter as well. Like there is a time and a place. Um, but if you think about, and I'll tell you a few brands that I love, but if you think about a pouch, those pouches and jars sit on a shelf for so long. Like I've actually heard that sometimes the, the pouches or jars are older than your baby and when, and for able for them to be shelf stable like that, they have to go through numerous, numerous high heat processing to keep them shelf stable. Right. And Mm. so what happens, you keep stripping your nutrients and you are, you know, using a high heat, over and over and over again. And all that does is strip your nutrients and spike the, the sugars content in that package. Hmm. So, um, a few that I really recommend that I like is, um, a brand called once upon a farm. It's actually Jennifer Garner's, um, baby brand, but it's, it's, um, cold pressed meaning that when they make their food, they don't go through the high heat packaging and everything is cold pressed so you're not going to find that in the baby aisle you'll find that in the refrigerated section Mm. um and then another one i really like is called serenity and um they actually are they're part of the clean label project project so they've been tested over 200 environmental contaminants and they all passed um and this is usually like the pouches are made with like grass fed. they have bone broth in them they have healthy oils and fats so there are pouches out there that are better than others and those are the ones that i recommend to my clients to to use if you need a you know everybody needs a break every now and then right heck
1: yeah yeah is that is the serenity brand is that um kelly levec's line do you know
0: oh yeah it is well it's not her line but i um she she's the body be well right i th-
1: i think so yeah she's like does yeah, cookbooks yeah. and stuff like that she's yeah. legit I think she that She is awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure she, she's um, part of that.
0: She is. Yeah, she's a she works with them and she is very particular about the food that they eat and mm-hmm. and she supports supports that brand as well um so you know what's good right yeah dang when you yeah. have someone like that on it e-
1: exactly yeah she's super legit i highly recommend people check out her feeds and stuff i'm looking at their products right now i got 100 these are packets for for babies 100 yeah. wild caught salmon with organic butternut squash and beet um uncured bacon made with butternut squash kale and sweet potato made with grass-fed beef all sorts of really yummy stuff that looks like it's high quality for the kid. That's, that's awesome. There's a huge market for that.
0: There's a huge market for it. And you know, I get it. Like I, with Harper, I was working full time. I worked three 12 hour shifts. You know, I was gone. I mean, long days and there's people out there that work and it's hard. So investing, they're a little bit more expensive. You know, they're not maybe on sale for 79 cents, but investing Mm -hmm and spending a little bit more money on quality is really way more beneficial in the long
1: run. 100%. 100%. Yeah. This may be a little extreme, but I always like to say like sh- purchasing and shopping for high quality organic foods is cheaper in the long run than medical bills and dealing with, you oh, know, yeah. prescription medication for your kids possible adhd or whatever things lead to or gastrointestinal issues and stuff like that like i don't it's just worth it for me like i i get it that it's expensive and i get it it's a lot more convenient for the paycheck and stuff to buy these cheaper foods but i don't know I, it's just part of my life philosophy that i'm willing to spend the extra money to nourish my body and to nourish my kids body because without health we have nothing right
0: and i always tell my clients i'm like start you know start with what you can i always look at like the dirty dozen list or the clean you know the clean list i'm like if you can buy a few things more organic and you know look at the dirty dozen list and start with those things you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and then you know work your way out from that but really when it comes to you know babies it's just crazy think about this nick they are literally starting from the purest form of breast milk which we talked about everything that breast milk has in it and now we're introducing food to them and so do we want to go from something so pure that your body is making so tailor-made mm-hmm. to then something so processed so you know so fake in the mm-hmm. nutrients like we're really setting them up for success and you know i laugh because my friends uh, they joke with me that Harper loves sauerkraut and she loves sardines. And I, I don't even like that stuff, Nick. I won't eat it. I make my husband do the sardines because so I can't handle the smell. But it's like, it's really amazing by if we start with them not knowing, you know, what we're giving them. If we give them things that are nutrient and so good and, and they, they don't know the difference, right? Yeah.
1: That's such a good point. That's such a good point. It's changing from something so pure, like you said, mm-hmm. to... Starting to introduce Like these processed things Or letting them have a, a taste of your ice cream Or something like that God forbid It's like Yeah You have to be very strategic With what you expose them to Because you might ruin them And their taste buds For the long well, run And,
0: and, and. Here's the thing kids are going to be kids right mm-hmm. yesterday my mom made a milkshake you know a strawberry milkshake and harper loved it and yeah. this morning she woke up and said oh milkshake i'm like oh uh, no let's <laughs> get you some eggs you yeah. know so and but here's the thing when it comes to starting solids i i always just say let's start with the best foot forward we can these they don't know any difference they don't know but what a brownie is versus a sardine is they mm. don't Nick. yeah and so it's like why why not start them with their best foot forward? You have chances to decrease obesity and diabetes and celiac disease and so many allergies that we have. It's like, you know, start them young on good nutrient food and you're more likely to have a more adventurous eater later on. Like, right now Harper's two and she'll pound two bowls of sauerkraut. Imagine if she had never had sauerkraut before. Do you think she'd be like game yeah, to no eat way. a bunch of sauerkraut? No <laughs>
1: way. That is so awesome that she does that. That is so know, awesome. So jealous. It's so funny. That is so cool. So what about um, allergenic foods? How, how yeah. do you How do you navigate those types of foods and how do you tell if your child may be allergic or anything like that?
0: Right. So this is always like kind of stressful, right? I always feel like you, you have, um, this is like what stresses parents out, right? You like, you don't want to give them something that then has them have an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, it was recommended to introduce all new foods one at a time. Then you'd wait a few days in between before offering the next food. So this is really outdated and it's unnecessary for non-allergenic foods, right? It's, right now we can offer low allergenic foods without having to worry about it. So your top allergies are wheat, cow's milk, eggs, soy, peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, and fish. So there's eight top allergenic foods. So what I'm telling my clients when you're introducing allergenic food, first I always check with your pediatrician right before you introduce them. And then, especially if they have um, a higher risk for food allergies. So if if your baby has eczema, or allergies and tolerance that like they noticed while they were breastfeeding or formula feeding or if there's a sibling close relative with an allergy. But mm-hmm. besides that, I like to introduce allergenic foods and your baby is 100% well. You don't want mm-hmm. any of the immune system compromised, right? When you're, Especially when you're introducing an allergenic food. I recommend doing it in your own home. Um, not like at a busy restaurant where you might not be paying attention and then offer it on your the baby's longest wake period. So you have time to monitor for reactions.
2: Hmm. That's yeah, great so, advice.
0: And I always say, start small, you know, offer like a little bit, wait around 10 minutes to monitor for like an immediate response. And then if you don't see anything, then you can continue. And then I do like to wait a few days, before I reintroduce that allergenic food again. But it's important to show that, you know, current research shows that delaying the introduction of highly allergenic foods does not protect against a food allergy. In fact, it actually increases the risk.
2: So we do
0: want to offer these allergenic foods by 6 to 12 months and we can actually lower their risk of allergies
1: that's interesting. What are some of the, the allergic responses that you'd see? Is it mostly like skin flare ups or?
0: Yeah. So there's either, there's two different types. There's a, um, like a food, a true food allergy, which is, you know, obviously the most life threatening. This is when they have difficulty breathing. Hmm. Um, you know, when you have immediate swelling of the airway or there's some food sensitivity reactions, which you might see. And that's kind of maybe, um, like a rash or mm-hmm. some, like some redness. So of course, you know, immediate assistance, call 911, but you have to do, but yeah. separate the kid from the food, wash their hands and face from it. You don't want any, any of the allergenic food on their hands or face cause that's what's causing the reaction. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Good to know. What yeah. about, what about meal prepping, uh, tips, tricks, suggestions there?
0: Yeah, so I would just say, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, If you can, feed your baby what you're eating. And so what I love to do is, like, I'll make, like, a pan of some, you know, root vegetables all cut up in finger length, shapes, and sizes. I will roast them with some good fats, like coconut oil or some good grass-fed butter. Put some spices on it. Roast them up. And you have some good options for a week, you know so i love to just make things in batches if i can keep them in the fridge um you know make some good coconut chia seed pudding keep that in the fridge so it's it's kind of like as if you and i were to meal prep ourselves Mm -hmm. what would we do right we would make some food on like a sunday kind of package it up it's the same thing for babies and that's what's so great about baby led weaning is that you're really not making a bunch of different meals your baby is eating what you are eating and in the end it makes everybody eat healthier.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You brought up chia seed pudding. Chia seed pudding (laughs) is so bomb. I love it. For the listeners, look it up. Yeah, you just mix chia seeds with some heavier coconut milk or some coconut cream. You let it sit for, I can't remember, like 24 hours or something like that. You can mix in like some cinnamon, maybe some pureed banana. Yes,
0: that's literally my recipe.
1: So fire. Yeah,
0: and and honestly, chia seeds are the the one of the greatest things for babies. It helps with constipation. Mm. Um, it's such a good nutrient thing to add. I love chia seeds. I love hemp seeds, yeah. all the things.
1: Yeah, word, word. Well, this has been awesome, Madison. I only have three questions for you left, but before we get to those, talk to us a little bit like about what you are doing online with your coaching. Where can people find you? Yeah. All that stuff.
0: Yeah. And so I just started my my consultations. Um, so you can book, book an online consult with me. Um, most right now we're doing postpartum and baby nutrition. I, there's different plans that you can have. Um, I'll work with you. We'll start solids on your baby. We'll work through postpartum nutrition and conditions and support. You know, I have a package of, you know, a monthly check-in once a week. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, you have a baby and then you don't see your doctor for six weeks postpartum. And, just having someone there to help support you. So,
2: totally check
0: me out online, madisonholden.com. You can see what I do, look at my different packages, book me online. Mm-hmm. Um, or I have like a texting option. You can text some questions and yeah, I'm just here to help moms and dads and caregivers and new babies just succeed.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. And just knowing you Madison, I mean, to all the listeners, Madison is like one of my wife and I's favorite human beings on the earth. So (laughs) you will not be disappointed with her and the relationship you build with her. Again, her website is, uh, Madison Holden.com M A D I S O N H O L D E N.com. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Definitely check that out. Um, And last couple questions. They're more like rapid fire. Um, if you could recommend, if you could recommend any book (laughs) from any genre or books for that matter, uh, for the listeners to check out, and this could be related to what we've been talking about or just any books, what would those books be and why?
0: Um, I think related to the topic, one of my favorite books is called the first 40 days, the essential art of nourishing the new mom. Mm. Um, it's based on the author's own personal postpartum experience. Um, She's from from China, and she talks about how her rituals are really just focusing on healing and bonding with your baby. A great reminder, you know, since now we all want to rush back and bounce after baby. And I really think that's so important. So I love that book. I recommend every new mom and new dad to check it out.
1: Yeah, right on. And what does a life enchanted mean to you, Madison?
0: Oh, goodness. A life enchanted mean to me... You know, Nick, the first thing that comes to my mind, the, the word that pops in is probably family. Mm, um, a Life enchanted to me is just my family and supporting them and truly just being together. Um, I think now in this world that we live in, it's so important to create a safe haven for our kids and their friends. And really, when they walk through the doors of our home, it's a safe place and it's a growing place and a learning place and Mm. you know for me my religion is a big part of my life and just creating Mm -hmm. a loving home filled with laughter and joy and fun and safety and confidence i really to me that is my life enchanted
1: that's beautiful that's beautiful right on madison thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it listeners are gonna have to listen to this one multiple times it was awesome (laughs) but thanks again for joining us Oh, thanks, Nick, for having me. Yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the music heard throughout this episode. Also, a big shout out to Capital Floats, a.k.a. my favorite sensory deprivation and float tank facility in Northern California. I'm a frequent user there, and the experience is always transformative to say the least. If you're interested in floating and live in Northern Cal, make sure you use promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout on their website. You'll save a whopping 40% off your first float and you will not find that deal anywhere else. Also, in regards to some of the content shared in these episodes, make sure you always consult your doctor before making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at nick.carlisle or send me an email nick at mylifeenchanted.com.